What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Dave, and welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast, episode 49 today, one away from the exclusive 50, and this is going to be an exciting one. We're rounding out our top five series on top five NBA players at each position. So we've done each one of those, and now it's the big one. Top five players of all time, regardless of position. So excited about that one. Uh, And we're also going to be uh, talking about the latest head coaching hire in the NBA as well. For our Atlanta Hawks, Quinn Snyder, which, spoiler alert, we're both pretty excited about. So definitely looking forward to this episode. Uh, But before all of that, we've got to get into off the top. What's up, everybody? This is Mike, and I'm here to piggyback off of Dave's off the top prompt from episode 48 because I'm lazy. No, because it was was such a good prompt that you were like, I'm going to build upon this. Yeah. That. Well, let's go and, with that. And there was, and there's more stuff to say on the topic. So for sure, if you don't remember, basically it was about Lamar Jackson and what kind of contract I would give him as a free agent, or you know what kind of trade assets would I give up to get Lamar Jackson on the Falcons. So, speaking of Falcons quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota is gone. Good riddance. Desmond Ritter. Right this second would be the guy, you know. Uh, we still have NFL free agency. We still have trades that could be made. And most excitingly, we have the NFL draft on April 27th. Well, starting April 27th, you know, the NFL draft's a three-day event. Good, you know, always a fun time. You already mm-hmm. know that we'll be doing at least one podcast episode to preview that uh, when it comes closer to now Desmond Ritter went two and two in four starts uh, to close out the 2022 season looked all right. You know, some promise maybe, Uh, but you know, he'll be going into just his second year, uh, potentially first full season as a starter. If that were to be the case and I'm looking at the draft and we've got, a few good quarterbacks out there. So obviously you got Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and then you know further down you got Anthony Richardson, you got Hendon Hooker, and um even Buddy from Stanford. <laughs> uh, Tanner McKee. There we go. I I want to know since we have the eighth pick in the first round, which of the if you're the Falcons GM. Which of these quarterbacks, if any, are you drafting? Should they be available at eight? Huh. Well, I know I have my my thoughts on each quarterback for sure. And the Falcons are in an interesting position because technically they could roll with Desmond Ritter. There are probably more star quarterbacks or at least proven quarterbacks on offer than I feel like there have been in quite some time. Like Aaron Rodgers could be available. Derek Carr 
could be available. I'm not really including Carson Wentz in this, even though he just got cut. Like, I mean, I know the XFL was in full swing, but like maybe he could be a backup there or something. I, I don't know. But in terms of the guys who are available at, do you want me to answer like if I could pick whichever one I wanted? Or do you want me to answer like who I think would, would actually be available there? Well, okay. So let me let me put it this way. I don't think that C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young will be available at eight. That's really really unreasonable. Um, well, let's start here. If either of them, if either of the two of them drop to eight, do you pick both? You take either of them, and and throw them ahead of Ritter. So at that point, I would say. Panthers, uh, Colts, like any of these teams that maybe need a quarterback, I'd be like, are y'all interested? Because at that point, you could potentially get a pretty good ransom if one of those top quarterbacks is somehow still left. I don't think that would happen. Um, But if they were to fall, I would probably take either of them because once you get past Will Anderson, Jalen Carter... For me, those are the two guys that I'm looking at as major difference records on the defensive line. And I'm going to say that again. Once you get past Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, those are like the two main game records on the defensive line. And past them, there are question marks surrounding a lot of the guys. And I do think that the Falcons, as always, need a pass rush more than anything else. I'm also thinking about Caleb Williams next year. I'm like, hmm, what if we just let Desmond Ritter play out the season? Maybe he ends up being good enough to like hold on to the starting job uh, for like a longer period of time and outperform expectations. Or maybe he's trash. And the Falcons are also trash. And then we're in position to draft Caleb Williams or whoever might be the, the best quarterback available next year. Because, you know, this is the sad reality of Falcons football. Eh, let's just postpone it another year, whatever. Uh, it doesn't really matter. So CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, by far and away, my top two guys. I will 100% go for the proven guys at quarterback um, in college versus the guys who are more potential-based, like Levis and Richardson. I understand that every every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, somebody like Josh Allen comes up, completes less than 60% of his passes in college, and somehow they're able to fix his footwork and his accuracy and turn him into a top five, top three potential quarterback in the NFL. That's not something that just happens every day. I think because we saw that happen with Josh Allen, people are now like in love with these guys who have a bunch of tools, but major turnover issues or accuracy issues. Um, and I understand taking a, a a punt on them later on, but I don't know about first round. So if 
neither of those two guys are available and the Falcons don't feel super strongly about either one of them enough to trade up for him, then I would just stand pat and then draft somebody on defense probably um, would be my my takeaway. And then just let Desmond Ritter play. The Lamar thing is interesting, but if we have to give up multiple first round picks for him and then pay him like 50 million guaranteed a year, I, he can go somewhere else. Yeah. And excuse me, I'm in, I'm in total agreement. Like it'd be one thing if we had like the number three pick and like Will Anderson and Jalen Carter went one and two or, you know, in inverse order, whatever. And we could get one of those top two guys without having to trade for it. But even then, it's like, yeah, just trade the pick. Someone will give you a, a Lions Hall for it. Why not? You know, we saw what Desmond Ritter was able to accomplish at Cincinnati. Um, you know, why not? Like, give him a year. Uh, we haven't seen what he can do as the full-time starter. And if he if he's terrible next year, honestly, what did we lose? You know, what... what a lot of games good give us a better draft pick (laughs) like are we gonna walk away from the season like well that was a waste of time no like we'll we'll move on with a good pick we learned you know like okay we know for sure Ritter's not the guy um I feel like it's best case scenario Ritter shines and we we go okay you know we may be like sure we finished seven and ten but it wasn't Ritter's fault we don't even need to worry about drafting a quarterback we can draft an O-line or another edge rusher or something. And, you know, worst case scenario is somehow, well, I guess worst case scenario is like we're seven and 10. We end up with like the eighth or ninth pick again, but Ritter is still like not that good, but that is worst case scenario. Like maybe he's trash and we get the number one pick and replace him. You know, I feel like way it's way more likely that something good happens from giving Ritter a chance. Mm-hmm. And it does come down to sometimes you have the like number one overall pick or a super highly picked quarterback who ends up becoming a star like everybody thinks he will. And like, that's great. Sometimes, uh, you know, probably less amount of the time you have somebody who is drafted later who ends up becoming a gem, a diamond in the rough, and you can therefore hopefully have a really good draft class around him in the first, second, third round, whatever, and then build your team around that. But so many of these successful teams, uh, Chiefs aside, now are finding talent, uh, quarterback talent on rookie deals, and then spending all of their money surrounding them with a good defense, with a good offensive line and all of that. So really it comes down to like, yeah, if Desmond Ritter is, is good enough, then we can spend all that cap space and those high draft picks and build the team around him. Um, Cause we've seen in the past, you can have, you can compete without having a, a superstar quarterback, or you can have a guy like Jalen Hurts who kind of takes a little while to get going, but once he finally blossoms, then you see the star potential come out. So, yeah, I, especially it's not, it's not like the Falcons are in any position to 
it's not like they're like the Jets, for instance, mm-hmm. who are like a quarterback away. Like if they didn't start Zach Wilson the majority of the games last year, they probably would have made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it, yes, it makes sense for them to sign Derek Carr, trade for Aaron Rodgers or whatever, or trade up in the draft and draft whoever they think is going to be better than Zach Wilson. Although at this point, they probably shouldn't draft quarterbacks. They should probably only just sign the ones that have proven they can be good because they can't draft quarterbacks at, at all. They've proven that. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned some of the quarterbacks that would be available, and I I think Derek Carr would be a great... Like, if I'm the Jets, uh, that's what I'm gunning for in the offseason. Like, can I get Derek Carr into New York? Um, I mean, you don't have the... Uh, personality headaches of the Aaron Rodgers, not to mention Aaron Rodgers is like 36, 37 years old. Um, and basically any quarterback they get is a marked improvement over Zach Wilson. So yeah, take Derek Carr. Why not? Um, yeah. So cool. So basically it seems like where we're at with the Falcons, uh, is as far as quarterback goes, is like, if you can get a superstar without like destroying, the rest of the team to get him great. Um, but otherwise let's just let, let's just give Ritter a chance and see what happens. For sure. And use all that cap space, sign some defensive players, guys, like, come on now. And don't make it a Dante Fowler type situation where it's like, we're going to give you this money and have you do nothing. For sure. Oh, and also uh, sign Chris Lindstrom to an extension, please. Thank oh, you. yes, please. Yes. It's especially, given that we're going to, you know, hopefully just give Desmond Ritter that shot, at least give the man some protection. All right, cool. So that'll wrap up the off the top and our, basically that will also wrap up football for episode 49. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and get into the top five players in NBA history, like Dave mentioned. So stick around. All right. And we're back and it's time to get into the barbershop talk to end all barbershop talks on this matter, our top five NBA players ever. So we've already done the top five players in history at each position. So in case you want to go back and listen to any of those, and you might just because like when we bring up a player now or on this episode, we're not really going to go into the, qualifications for why they're an all-time great we've already done that as far as we're concerned what we're gonna do is dave will list his five out then i'll list my five out and we'll discuss some of like the um some of the reasons why one guy is over another why i may have excluded someone that's on dave's list or vice versa uh but just in case you want to hear any of the qualifications because there's no chance we're going to mention a player today that wasn't in a top five at his position (laughs) uh We did our top five centers on episode 35, our top five power forwards on episode 40, the small forwards were in episode 43, the shooting guards were on episode 45, and the point guards were episode 47. So without further ado, Dave, go ahead, give us five to one, your top five players in NBA history. All right. I'm a little... I'm a little nervous to hear what people say about this because, like you said, the barbershop talk to end all barbershop talks. Everyone loves to know, first of all, who's the GOAT? And second of all, they love saying, oh, he's not a top five player of all time, whatever. We've also 
done a decent amount of alluding to this and the whole reason why we started doing the these top fives in the first place was because mike would say like well i think he's like i would i don't know if i would necessarily say he's in my like top five point guards but you know that kind of thing and then eventually we're just like i need to figure out who they are and so we've done all of that and now it's like all right now who's who's going to be our top five of all time? And if you're wondering if I was just stalling throughout all of that, that's 100% what I was doing. <laughs> uh, okay, now without any further ado, number five, I have Kobe. Number four, Bill Russell. Three, Kareem. Two, LeBron. And number one, Ibiza Zubats. No, I'm just kidding. Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay, so... We have a couple major differences here, you know, as to be expected. My number five is Magic Johnson. My number four is Kareem. My number three is LeBron. My number two is Kobe. And my number one is Michael Jordan. So I guess one thing I'm looking at with your list uh, that I'm curious about is no point guards. I know that like I put Magic in my top five, and you had Steph as your top, as your number one point guard. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if you wanted to uh, talk about that at all. Yeah, so I definitely put Steph number one above Magic. I feel confident in that. I don't feel confident in saying Steph is a top five player of all time, though. Um, not yet. He could potentially get there, uh, but we'll kind of save that to for the end. Um, Magic has, I mean, we, we, like we've said before, he's got the accolades, he's got the championships, he's got the the it factor, the eye test, all of that. Um, I just think that he just misses out. I do have a just missed list, and he was definitely towards the top of that. So, I mean, no disrespect to Magic. I mean, unless he thinks he's a top five player of all time, in which we just have to disagree. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was he was close. He would have been six or seven for me. Uh, but when I looked at the rest of these guys, um, the looking at both awards and stats and championships, I I had to go with some of these other guys ahead of them. And in my mind, like I preferred Kobe over magic. Um, And I think a lot of that really is just personal opinion. Um, And really that's, that's what these top five lists are anyway, is who we prefer over others. But yeah, I, I just don't, I couldn't put Steph as a top five player of all time. Not yet. And so, therefore, by default, I couldn't put any other point guard. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I guess I'll talk about um, my exclusion. And this actually got me to do, I mean, you call it a just missed list. I went ahead and just did my top, like, 12 players. Obviously, I'm not listing them all right this second. But, like, let me tell you who my number six is because I think it's relevant, and that's Tim Duncan. Uh Duncan is my number six player in NBA history, and that's the number one power forward of all time. So I just want to talk about like, 
you know, because I mentioned you excluded your top point guard. My top power forward was missing. And Duncan just misses it to me. Uh, what I give Magic above Duncan is versatility, which uh, would have been talked about on episode 47. Uh, at his height, uh, the things he could do offensively and defensively um, just provide a little more of them uh, like in different areas than we got from Duncan. But Duncan is literally right there. There isn't a lot of separation to me between Magic and Duncan, and that was probably the hardest part of putting my list together, who gets the nod. But ultimately, I did end up just going with Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a tough one. Uh, same amount of championships, like <laughs> doing it in completely different ways. But yeah, Tim Duncan was the other guy who was um, six or seven. It was him and Ma- him and Magic were the two that just missed out before me. Um, with Steph also kind of being right there along with it. Like I said on the point guard episode, it really Steph and Magic is kind of like one A one B to me. It's just kind of do you like prefer the shooting or the passing type of thing? So, I mean, obviously number one Michael Jordan. We both accept that. It's kind of like certain people will say certain things about you know. They'll, they'll mention LeBron, of course. Maybe they'll mention Kareem. Some people will even mention Kobe. Um, but I think MJ is like the clear and obvious choice for it. You have Kobe ahead of LeBron. I'm interested to see your take on, on why you, you put Kobe ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, there is a lot of personal preference. Uh, you know, these are subjective. Um and so there is, you know, a little bit of, you know, well, who would I rather have on my team? Um, not not just like as a teammate, but if I'm a GM or a coach or whatever. And Kobe was the answer that, keep, that kept coming up there. But I am going to give my explanation a little more substance than that. Uh, Michael Jordan, we both accepted as the number one of all time. And I think I said something to this effect when we did the shooting guards on episode 45, um, how much closer can you get to Jordan without being Jordan than Kobe got it part of, I think what makes the Jordan LeBron discussion tricky is that they're so different. Uh, they're just different types of players. They affect the game in different ways. LeBron is more of like a a team first type of player that's going to do more facilitating. Jordan more like scoring. Uh, you know, in the last few minutes, Jordan is the type that's like going to go after it and score. Where you expect LeBron to make more of the like good passes or whatever. Um, you know, LeBron's rebounding is going to be better because of course it is. Uh, Jordan's got the defense. Jordan's got the championships. All that. I feel like Kobe gets dismissed here. And I think the reason for that is there is a uh, apples to apples comparison for Kobe. It's Jordan. Jordan's better. And so Kobe kind of gets, you know, washed aside because there is just a better version of him in history. But whenever I hear people doing this uh, LeBron Jordan thing, I, I have to wonder like at what point we decided he's better than Kobe. Because to me, the Kobe LeBron discussion is basically the same as the LeBron uh the LeBron Jordan discussion it's just that Kobe's not quite as good as Jordan but Jordan's the best player ever 
Like, I don't think that's a, you know, uh, a huge roast on the man. Uh, so I guess to take it from there, like whatever I said about Jordan over LeBron, I'd kind of make the same argument about Kobe over LeBron, more of an, a more effective defender, uh, more of like that assassin type of like scorer in, in crunch time, as opposed to more like making the right plays at the right times. Um, so my reasoning for Kobe at two in short is if Jordan's one, Kobe's kind of like my one B he's almost there. He just didn't reach the, the Zenith of like basketball accomplishment. Okay. I mean, obviously like I think Kobe was great. He's number five for me. Um, personally, I can't see a world where you can take their stats and their awards and the only thing is maybe like the defense for for Kobe but LeBron was a much better defender earlier in his career than he is now of course but when I look at the stats and the fact that like LeBron is the all-time scoring leader and he's got he only has one fewer championship than Kobe and I think a lot of times people discredit LeBron and they think of Kobe as like one of the best clutch shooters in NBA history which he is maybe the maybe the best in mama mentality and all that which is definitely true they forget that LeBron is statistically a better clutch shooter and has more has made more clutch shots in his career both regular season and in the playoffs like buzzer beaters all of that than Kobe has but I think a lot of that gets dismissed because he's not necessarily that like I'm gonna go and get my bucket like get every single bucket down the court and uh, will my team to victory or whatever by myself LeBron is more like I'm going to do that while also making my teammates better. And I think that that's something that is extremely important when it comes to quantifying value. Uh, and a lot of that is like, of course you can do it. You can do assists as a way of making teammates be better. But when you have somebody who's as good of a passer, as well as one of the best scores, and you could argue LeBron is the best scorer of all time because he has the all-time scoring record. So it's it's hard for me to say, like, other than the, I guess, the, like, personal preference of the way that Kobe played versus the way LeBron has played and also Kobe's legacy compared to LeBron's legacy, which Kobe's is a lot more straightforward I feel like LeBron definitely has a lot of haters and for good reason for some of the decisions the decisions he's made but if we're just looking at like statistic uh yeah statistics wise like it's hard for me to say that Kobe could go ahead I mean one one note and sure maybe this is unfair but Kobe only has one MVP and when I was looking at all these players, like they all had multiple MVPs except for him. And it's hard to say like the second best player of all time was only the most valuable player in the league once. 
Yeah. Um, I can see that for sure. Um, I think interestingly though, like when we look down the list of the people that won MVP ahead of Kobe, like we're not, you know, like for his entire body of work, he was always better than all these players, you know, like, I mean, I guess maybe aside from LeBron, you know, the years that he was winning it, but like Dirk Nowitzki, who I love has an MVP. Was he better than uh, Kobe that year? Steve Nash is my favorite player ever. And he won back to back MVPs in like Oh five and Oh six. Was he better than Kobe both of those years? No. Uh, so I look at things like that, that like may muddy the waters just a touch. Um, otherwise, like, I think part of the LeBron discussion is, you know, and you know, this is only a credit to him. He's been so good for so long. I think about how like other players age compared to LeBron who doesn't age that much. You know, uh, we have 36 year old LeBron running around like he's other guys at 26, you know, uh, some of the stuff that he's able to pull off at this age is unreal. Uh, Take Kareem, for example, like Kareem played 20 years uh, and had those 20 years to build up his scoring. But in the last four or five years of his career, were you going to seriously make a championship team where Kareem is the top player? No, Kareem was more of a, a Robin, right? Uh, he kind of descended. LeBron is in year 20. He's still the best player on a team that like people will build their teams around LeBron. It's insane. Um, LeBron has longevity over anyone in NBA history. Uh, Now, looking at him and Kobe, he has that going for him. Who reached a higher peak? Um, Was peak LeBron better than peak Kobe? That I'm not sure about. Uh, Well, actually, that I don't believe. I I do think peak Kobe was better. and you said like LeBron was a, a much better defender than he is now, you know, when he was younger. Yeah, uh, totally. Now, even when he was a better defender than he is now, was he among the league's best uh, defenders? Not nearly as consistently as Kobe. Um, and LeBron even- did make LeBron did make all defensive first team five years in a row and then all defensive second team the next year, which is also when he was winning his MVPs and everything. So you could argue if he's winning MVP and also winning or also on all defensive first team, then that's like, he's not only defensive player of the year, but he's doing everything in those like four or five year, that four or five year span. And that's fair. Yeah, for sure. So do you think that, LeBron could eventually pass Kobe in your mind if he goes, if he stays at this pace for another three years or so, continues to build that margin in scoring, maybe gets another title, um, even if not, like continues to build those all-star, like the longevity, or has he kind of already proved his point for longevity and there's not really much he could do other than potentially like winning another championship that could like vault him over Kobe in your mind. Uh, yeah. So in my mind, the longevity point has been proven. Um, and he has that over Kobe. So like scoring more 
doesn't give me another point in his favor because he's already won that point in my mind. But if LeBron messes around and wins a championship as the best player on that team in year 20 or 21 or something, yeah, then I'll definitely be reconsidering. Like, okay, even Kobe, you know, wasn't messing around 20 years in. Like, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, an Achilles injury or two will have something to do with that. But, like, you know, that's how the chips fall sometimes. Um, you know, it sucks. But, um, yeah, if LeBron wins another championship, especially, like, well, if LeBron wins another championship as the best player on that team, yeah, we'll be uh, – I'll at least be like considering him into number two. For sure. So I think the only guy that we haven't really talked about is Bill Russell, who comes at number four for me. And for me, it's pretty simple. I couldn't keep out a guy who won 11 championships and five MVPs out of my top five. I know that I ranked wilt above bill russell in our top five centers and i was just finding myself like falling in love with Wilt's stats and his averages his 100 point game like these things that are uh otherworldly it seems like unbreakable it seems but when it comes down to it what are like the two things that make a player great they're are they the best or like in terms of this discussion are they the best player in the league and did they win the the championship like are they the best player on their team and did they lead them to the championship is probably a better way to say that and bill russell did both of those things five times and then he did it six more times where he still won the championship and i understand the the it's a different era of basketball and this was a long time ago and he towered over these guys and like whatever. I understand all of that, but you also can't hold Bill Russell against him in terms of like, you can't hold the era that he played in against him. That's just when he was born, he went out and dominated and won more championships than anyone else has in like American sports history. Like you, in my mind, regardless of what, like his, um, his career averages were um, like statistics, all of that. If you put those two things up, if those are what you think make the you know a player the best player, then he's got more championships than anyone else, and he's only one away from having the most MVPs. So, I still ended up putting Kareem ahead of him because Kareem combined the. MVPs, the scoring, and had a couple of championships in there too, and the longevity and everything. But Bill Russell, like, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit when talking about the greatest of all time discussion, even though the number of championships stands out like a sore thumb among any other player that, like, any other star player that's ever really played the game. Yeah, and I'm sure we talked about this in episode 35, but like they weren't giving out Defensive Player of the Year awards uh, mm-hmm. in the 50s and 60s. Uh, Bill would basically be a lock for that every year, more or yeah. less. Uh, 
you know, especially if they were valuing bigs at that time. But like at that time, it was Bill and Wilt, and then like everybody else. I mean, you had your Bob Cousy's and Havlicek's uh, and everything, but it was Bill and Wilt's league. Um, and you know, I had and still have Wilt above Bill. And part of that is eye test for me. And part of it is like the stats that you mentioned. Um, what I think Bill captures extremely well. And he even, there's an interview with Bill discussing, like in his own words, him, he said that this was his objective, like coming into the league. And I forget the, I'm going to say it again because that would be cool. I forget the criticism that spawned this but bill said like you know i could go out and score more or i could like try to be the guy on the team or whatever but like what's more conducive to winning is knowing my role and doing that well and what and that's why his career averages aren't all that especially the scoring you know um because bill was focused on rebounding and defending and then otherwise just like trying to make the right plays at the right time. So of course his stats aren't going to reflect how great he was. He was very team first. The problem, and I hate to say problem right after that, because that's the kind of player you want. Uh, the problem is when we end up comparing stats, it's like, okay, I'm going to say this without trying to sound like I'm on that's disrespectful how do we qualify like oh were you like one of the five best players ever or were you like the best role player on the right team at the right time and i'm not like full-on posing that question i accept bill as an all-time great but when you see wilt doing everything and like proving oh you want you don't think i'll pass let me lead the league and assist real quick you know like oh you you don't think that i can score enough watch me drop a hundred oh let me drop 36 60 point games in a season or you know, um or over my career like when you have some you have one of your contemporaries doing that and then you're playing the right way your what your stats would be are very like non falsifiable so it's hard to like give that validation uh whereas the reality is like we do have wilt stats for those when he wanted to like do that stuff and so you know, I think Bill and Will is another all-time great discussion. Like, who do you put ahead? Um, and and I have no issue with you putting Bill ahead of him for doing the right things and for winning all the championships. It was dominance, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just dominance, a different type of way than we usually consider. For sure. And that's also, like, in today's culture, it really is, like, me, me, me. Like, it's... It's very interesting watching, and I feel like this is probably a good transition to into our like bonus part of this, where each of us are going to name a couple players that we think could potentially make this list before their playing days are over. It's interesting watching a guy like Jokic, okay? So Jokic is a guy who I'm who I say could has the potential to be a top five player. And the reason that I say that for me 
is because I don't see anyone else making his teammates better more than Jokic, who's also putting up the stats. Uh, It's kind of similar to Wilt in a way, and obviously in a very different way, but he hasn't had the playoff success yet. He's like, they lost to the Warriors last year. They were, of course they were going to lose to the Warriors last year. Like that team was going to win the the title. Um, Like, I think that Jokic definitely has championships in his future. The Nuggets are one of those teams that I'm excited about and I'm interested to see, could they just add one or two more pieces to it? Uh, Like star, all-star quality players. Um, One interesting note, Jokic has never played with an all-star on his team. Like, and yet this man is still out here averaging... I think he's still. I think he's averaging a triple double or very close to it this season. Um, he's won back to back MVPs, and he's a guy where like you look at all these different players who are playing there this year. Like Bruce Brown has is playing great. Um, Aaron Gordon, as soon as he gets traded to the Nuggets, all of a sudden he becomes way more than just like a, a dunker. Like all of a sudden his play goes up. KCP shooting the lights out of the ball, like by far the best three-point percentage of his career. Michael Porter Jr. is playing well, and he stopped stopped taking a lot more of those mid-range jumpers that he loved and is starting to hit more catch-and-shoot threes and driving to the rim. Like all these things, and Jokic is the centerpiece of all of that. He's still young, um, and he is durable as well. One thing with the stars of today. And again, when we're talking about all of these players in this goat discussion, there was no load management back then. Even now, LeBron is the only thing that's showing that LeBron is human is the fact that he has dealt with some injury issues the past couple years where he, whereas he really didn't for a very, very long time. But you know, if LeBron could play, he's going to play. And that, that's another thing that I think is different about him from a lot of the other players in today's game. As And Jokic, I'll put Jokic in that same category. If Jokic is healthy or is like doesn't have any sort of injury, he's not sitting out. He's going to play. And he's not like, he's nowhere near the level of athlete that LeBron is, but he's going to go out there and compete. And he doesn't have to score a whole bunch if he needs to go and get 20 assists, 15 plus assists and 20 rebounds and like 10 points, then he'll do that if that's what that's how they're they're playing him. So really offensively he can beat you in any way that you that you need. Uh so I just have like bring this all back to Bill Russell. Like Bill Russell was more of a like kind of defensive version of Jokic and how Jokic is on offense. Like, yeah, he's playing the role, but he's playing whatever role his team needs in that situation. And it's leading to championships. I'm just waiting for Jokic to have, (laughs) just give him an all-star already um, to like maximize his greatness, which we're seeing in real time. And like, could he win three MVPs in a row? Like 
arguably he's the front runner right now. I think he has to be the front runner right now. He's far and away the most efficient player. Uh, while his defense, you know, he's not a rim protector, but it his defense kind of goes underrated a little bit. Uh, part of that is because, you know, he more or less fails the defensive eye test because he's not stepping up and getting mad blocks. But where he's good on defense is his basketball IQ is off the charts. Uh, maybe the highest basketball IQ in the game, if you like take out LeBron and his 20 years of experience, uh, mm-hmm. maybe take out Chris Paul, similar reasoning. Uh, Jokic is always in the right place at the right time. And he has active hands. He gets a decent amount of steals, even if he's not getting the blocks. He is averaging a triple-double. Um, and, you know, some players in the league get uh, accused of like stat padding and get roasted for it. You know, we've seen like meaningless triple-doubles. Jokic this year is, well, sorry, the Nuggets this year are 23-0 and when Jokic has a triple-double. He gets triple-doubles because he just goes out there, plays the game the right way, and it leads to winning. Uh, yeah, he makes all of his teammates better. Um, he's 28 with no championships yet, and winning championships is tough. Um I think he's going to be one of the best players of our generation. But when we talk about top five and it comes down to this ring discussion, especially like, or even if we're just talking about top five at their position, I'm like, and you said, you know, can he get another all-star? That's not his fault, but like the clock's kind of ticking on him. And I worry that, you know, he won't have any, as many, if any of the team accolades that are necessary, you know, that contribution to team success. Um, mm-hmm. he's like crossing that finish line. Um, one guy I'm looking at that could make my top five is someone that's really close. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go the opposite end of the spectrum real quick. And it's Steph Curry. Uh, Steph. <laughs> yeah. So like, let me, I mentioned that I kind of listed out like my top 12 and I'm just going to wrap it those real quick. So you got my top five already. I said Duncan at six, and then I have Wilt, then Larry Bird, and then Steph Curry at nine, followed by Shaq, Bill Russell, and Dirk Nowitzki. So Steph only needs to pass. (laughs) Only. Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson. Is he done winning rings? Doesn't really seem like it. He just won last year. Uh He's like he's what eight months or eight months removed from his last championship, like, uh, and he's not slowing down. The Warriors and you know, I mentioned with Jokic, like, the clock is ticking on the Nuggets to put the pieces around him. The Warriors have no issue building a team around Steph and maintaining that competitive level, right? Uh, who's to say Steph? Forget one. Who's to say Steph doesn't win two or three more championships in his time? Now we'll be messing around with six, seven rings. Not to mention, um, what, uh, two MVPs, one unanimous? Yeah. Two the only MVPs. unanimous. The only unanimous MVP so far uh, in NBA history. Think about that. Jordan has six MVPs and none of them are unit Or six, five? Six. Six. Six MVPs, none of them Actually, are Actually, no. No, five. Because Kareem has six. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
So mm-hmm. Kareem has six. Jordan has five. None of those are unanimous. Um, just Steph alone. Um, if he wins one or two more rings, and we're talking about a player that changed the game perhaps more than anyone else in history. Yeah. And and to consider my top five, just for a second, because my top five included a point guard. We're, we're, I don't even have to think about him passing Duncan and Wilton Bird because really, to me, he only has to pass Magic. One more ring? He might very well do it. Then he'll pass Magic to me. Now he's in my top five as the best point guard ever. So I'm looking at a guy who's, yeah, into his 30s, but doesn't seem to be taking his foot off the gas and could just accelerate right into my top five ever. Agreed. I mean, I'll just ditto to what you said. I mean, I already had him ahead of Magic. For me, I think he just needs... The issue with Steph is that he took a little while to get going. And so that's kind of holding him back a little bit versus you have someone like LeBron who was immediately amazing um, and just continued to do so for forever. It took Steph like a a couple years, a few years to really get going. And then once he did, it was like, we haven't seen anything like this before. If I could just interject real quick, have in, in LeBron's entire career, like from his rookie season, has he ever not been top five in the league? Like, I mean, you could argue like right now, but even so, like he's definitely in the discussion for it. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Cause I mean, that's a good point too, but, and that's where you have the peak versus longevity. And we, i kind of mentioned LeBron's peak earlier, like where he was getting all defensive first teams. He was winning MVP. He only won a couple of championships in that, little run but still uh and then you have the longevity that's it's a very like some people are going to prefer the peak some people are going to prefer the longevity i'm i lean more towards longevity because i think and we've talked about this a lot actually not necessarily in this discussion but we've talked about it a lot availability is the best ability that you can have and if you're available and still dominating like if you take lebron I mean, Bill Russell only played 13 seasons, but he won 11 of them, right? You have LeBron, who's played 20 seasons, and you compare him to some to some other guys who played fewer than that, um, which almost everyone has, but he's played it at an elite level. You're just adding on, this player wasn't even playing anymore. And LeBron was putting up, you know, 25, 7, and 7 or something at like minimum, you know, it's like that, that's where I look at it. And I'm like, sure. Maybe somebody had a different peak, but like you just keep with guys like LeBron, you just kind of keep going or even Kareem, you just keep going and it, they, it just doesn't stop. And where the other person has zero, has a zero next to their name, they have all this other stuff, but that is a good point about LeBron. Like, is he always, has he always been a top five player? Like, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's just like, even if he wasn't, like you said, in the discussion, right? Like, if we put our top five together, and we're not, but like, if we were to put our top five together right this second for current players, I don't know that he makes it, but darn it, we're going to talk about him, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
but sorry, I disrupted what you were saying about Steph, but yeah, I mean, I don't need to say too, too much else. I think if he continues to, to play at the, at the level that he is playing at, then, and he hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down and shooting is the last skill to go as -hmm. well. Like I will say a, a huge part of Curry's game is his movement. So maybe as that begins to to wane a little bit and his as he begins to lose a step then that could affect things especially if he just stays on the warriors because the warriors like have built their entire offense and their entire team around him and the gravity that he has uh but when it comes down to it like he's already close for me if he keeps it up and continues to dominate i think another ring might do it because and in part of my research my research for this as well i was looking to see like who's won multiple championships and who's won multiple mvps there aren't that many players out there who have done both of those things and so he's already kind of in the short list but if he just continues to add to that then yeah i think he might make it and the only other guy i was going to mention um, potentially was Giannis, but because he's he's already got the championship, um, which is basically a requirement. <laughs> Once we get to the top five of all time, you got to win at least. You got to probably win multi, mul- like multiple of them for sure. Um, but he's still young enough and um, dominant enough to where I could maybe see it, but. I would have him behind Steph. And just because I mentioned Jokic first, by the way, does not mean that I think he has the best chance of making it. I was just kind of transitioning. Um, I definitely think Steph has the best chance of making it. We haven't mentioned Durant. Were you were you considering him or no? Uh, okay, I'm, let me say something about Giannis and then I'll answer that. Giannis was one of the other players I wanted to highlight. Reason being... Same age as Jokic. Uh, I I always I keep thinking both of them are younger, but then I'm like, oh wait, it's just that they're our age, and you know, right? Uh, oh wait, we're uh, old. Dang. Uh, so, you know, Giannis is 28. Just there you go. We've dated ourselves. Um, Giannis is 28, and he has the championship. He has two back-to-back MVPs. He also has. One, two defensive player of the year awards. Um, it's not like you take Steph, right? And this isn't to diss Steph. I I agree he has the best shot uh, of any player in the NBA, but Steph is an offensive juggernaut uh, who has changed the game. Giannis is one of the best players in the NBA on offense, and then he's one of the best players in the NBA on defense. Uh, he is top five in both, like, no question. Um, I think that two-way, like that, you know, uh, the combination of the two does a lot for me, whereas, like, Jokic is the best offensive player in basketball probably right now. Actually, he is. Um, and I said his defense is underrated. That doesn't make him an above-average defender. Is he top five defense? No, but Giannis is, and Giannis has the chip already. 
Um, so Giannis can do it if he wins a few more. And now I I got to nine. No, I got all the way to 12, right? I said that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So at number 13, I literally put a question mark um, because that spots up for grabs, but I might very well have Giannis there. Um, like give him like the only reason he was behind Carl Malone when we did our power forward episode was like, and I said it then he will pass Malone. It's just a matter of like getting enough counting stats up when, by the time he retires, barring a career ending injury, he'll have passed Malone far and away and may very well have passed Dirk as well, who I have at 12 throw in a couple more championships. He's passing other guys for me. Uh, Durant, not all championships are created equal. Okay. Uh, let's say a, uh, a championship base value is like one point, right? If I take like the, when the bucks won the championship a couple years ago, I'll take like Chris Middleton, uh, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday. They get one point, you know, they're like very important players on that team. Not the guy Giannis gets more than one point, maybe like 1.5. Cause he was like, so dominant. It was his team. Do you think I'm giving KD one point per those Golden State Warrior championships? Hell no. I might give him 0.2 points uh, for each of them. Maybe total. Uh, what? You you join it? We don't need to talk about how soft that move was. And uh, I don't remember the exact context in which we were discussing this, but I remember us having this conversation on one of our episodes where we said, you know, KD really needs to like go win it as the guy and not just like the best player on a team that happens to win, but win because of KD. He has not done that. He's always been individually great, but he's he's getting on in years and he's never won a championship that we can look at and say without KD they don't win that championship. The Warriors win one, if not both, of those rings without him. Uh, no, I don't give KD much credit for that. And he's running out of time to impress me. Uh, I I prob- Well, no. I certainly have KD as a top 20 player in NBA history, but I don't see him, have, I don't see him as having a reasonable shot at cracking the top five. Yeah, and we've definitely seen... I mean, when's the last time he actually played a full season? Like missed like 10 games or fewer. It's been a few years. Um, So when you have those injuries that are piling up, especially a guy that's built like him, he's more prone to re-injuring or um, his body isn't necessarily going to be able to stand the test of time as much. So, yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think that he has a shot. It's interesting. His legacy is also like complicated, like LeBron's. Like I talked about before, whereas Kobe's is like pretty straightforward. Um, and I do think that has some weight to this discussion as well, because you have we've talked about. You have the rings. You have the awards. You have the stats. You have the eye test. And then, like, there is some part of, like, how did you come by the your accomplishments? And when you look at Durant, you're like, 
when I watch Durant, I'm like, he is, you could argue he is the most talented basketball player that I've ever seen. That doesn't mean that he's in my top five best or greatest players. Um, I think he had all the potential to, to be, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't end up working out for him. Maybe if you press reset on his career and he plays it again, maybe he he is because he has that kind of ability. But yeah, I don't I don't think he quite makes it. One other note that I wanted to make about Giannis, and then I think we can wrap up this segment, is Giannis is actually kind of similar to Steph in a way, uh, in that I said it when we were talking about Steph earlier, his career started off kind of slow and it's easy to forget at least for me that Giannis came into the league in 2013 so this is going to be his 10th year in the league which seems absolutely absurd right he didn't really start coming into his own until 2017 so it took him four years to become an all-star so those first four years I mean he he only made all-rookie second team. He didn't even make the all-rookie first team. Like, this is not a guy who came in and immediately was top five, like, arguably top five, like LeBron was. No, Giannis came in, and he took a while to grow into his body, to to mature and everything, and the Bucks stuck with him, and he stuck with the Bucks, and they ended up getting that championship. Same thing with Curry. It took Curry a while to adjust to the physicality of the NBA. And he ended up turning up another level on his shooting and was more consistent. He stuck with the Warriors. The Warriors stuck with him. And here we are. So you never know. I mean, the Bucks once again, they look like a very good team. We could see potentially similar career arcs, obviously and done in much different ways on the court. But off the court, there are a lot of similar similarities there which i think is interesting oh yeah 100 percent. and um i'm not going to spend as long on this one there's just one other guy i wanted to mention who's younger uh and it's not luca actually uh luca's one of the worst defenders in basketball and part of that's because of how much energy he expends on offense but it's not luca it's jason tatum uh not a top five defender, but darn it, he plays that defense. Uh, he can go guard a man. And offensively, he's a weapon uh, in and of himself. And here's the kicker. He's, well, I didn't win. He's been to the finals. He's only 24. On In that finals trip, he was the best player on that team. And he's on the Boston freaking Celtics, who are in win-now mode almost every year. Like, what I said about Steph was that the Warriors will continue to make right moves and put pieces around Steph to put him in a position to succeed. As long as Tatum is a Celtic, he has a shot at the finals every year. They are never going to mess up. It's not going to happen. There's no reason that Tatum can't mess around and get four or five rings before our very eyes because he plays for one of the most well-run organizations in American sports. Um... So Tatum doesn't have the resume yet. He's only 24, but I think, you know, talk about being in a good position to succeed. He's there. That's a very good point. Yeah. I, 
it really does come down to a lot of the time being put in the right position to succeed. Like if, if you put Jokic on any of these other teams where you have multiple all-stars on there, like I would not be surprised if he would already have a, a ring or two. And it's not like the Nuggets are a terrible organization. They're, they have a fine coach. They have oh, fine players, but I don't know if it's championship caliber. Maybe this season they, they'll turn the corner, but that's a really good point. And he is only 24, which is still kind of, it, it is kind of crazy because he's, I feel like he's been in the league for a while at this point. So uh, that's an interesting one to keep an eye out for. And we will also at some point do a top five of like our top five players who we think could get top five at their position type of thing. Uh, in the future at some point. So definitely, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast and don't miss that one whenever that comes out. Um, but yeah, I think that'll wrap up our uh, top five players of all time to kind of wrap up that whole series that we've done. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, I know I, I did as, as well as, I, I think I can speak for Mike and say that he did as well. Um, we love talking about this stuff, so this has been a lot of fun, uh, but we're not done yet. When we come back, we're going to keep the basketball talk going and talk about the Atlanta Hawks and their hire of Quinn Snyder. Okay. So we've got a new NBA head coach in the league and it's for our Atlanta Hawks. Nate McMillan has officially been let go. Let me just say when we uh, hired him, I was excited. I wanted Nate McMillan, and in his first season, instant impact. We got to the conference finals, a couple games away from the finals, had some injuries. Maybe we, you know, injuries aside, maybe we mess around and get to the finals, whatever. Awesome. looks It's looking great. But then we have season of regression, followed by season of regression. We have tension, to say the least, between Nate McMillan and Trey Young. We already knew who was going to win that battle. <laughs> That's how it goes in the NBA. Nate McMillan's dismissed. Right call, I think. We knew we needed a new head coach, and we got exactly who I wanted. Quinn Snyder, come back to Atlanta. Because, you know, he was the assistant coach to Mike Budenholzer before he got that head coaching job in Utah, where, you know, after a kind of shaky start with the Jazz, he led them to consistent success, well, regular season success. Uh, I think five straight playoff appearances to one or two of which were as the one or two seed. Um, I think this is the right hire. I think he's the right man for the job. I'm excited moving forward. I am as well. Uh, I think, honestly, like looking back, this would never would have happened. But like Nate McMillan is what we needed in that first season. Came in, righted the ship, and we rode what was really kind of like a magical ride all the way to the conference finals when no one was really expecting it. <laughs> Those were the days. Uh, and then after that, it was just kind of like, nope. If this is actually going to be our reality every season, we're not buying in. It's basically the the vibe that I got from the players. And when that happens, yeah, sorry, you got to go, you know? So, eh, I not Thank you for the conference finals run, but also I feel like that's kind of 
one of the worst things that could have happened to our team because I think we got complacent and also the fans started thinking that we could just make the conference finals every year. I know that we ranked the Hawks way higher than we should have in our tier list to start the next season because <laughs> we were we were excited and rightfully so because we had great players and coming off a good season, but it obviously hasn't worked out and it, the, a change needed to be made. I don't. I wasn't necessarily expecting a move to happen immediately, but interestingly enough, Quinn Snyder was the only uh, hire or the only candidate, I should say, that the Hawks even talked to, like had an official interview with, and it seemed like they really honed in on him as the guy that they wanted. Um, and shout out to him for like, he was going to just take the year off and everything and just spend time with his family. Um, and instead decide that the Hawks were a good enough opportunity to come back in the league and take them over, not even mid season after the midway point of the season to try to get them on a run and get everything going and hopefully getting that culture back to where it should be. Uh, because I remember like the Hawks culture used to be really good. Um, and I would love to get back to that. But I don't know. Does does the lack of playoff success in Utah scare you at all? Or is it one of those things where maybe they didn't they didn't have the right players to succeed in the playoffs, but it wasn't necessarily Quinsider's fault? I, okay, here I go about to play the blame game. Rudy Gobert. I've talked about this a little bit before. I don't know that Rudy Gobert is a championship type of player. Uh, And that's nothing against him, like, personally. I'm not talking about his mentality. I'm talking about his limitations when it comes to spreading the floor on offense and covering the floor on defense. He's not a switch defender in the slightest. He needs to be at home under the rim on both sides of the court or, you know, otherwise setting screens. And when you have a team that's ready to stretch the floor from one to five, that takes Gobert out of the equation, but you still have to pay him like the multi-time defensive player of the year that he is. And he's going to, you know, on any team he's on, he's going to eat up too much cap room while not providing enough once, especially once you get into the postseason, once teams are taking advantage of those weaknesses. Now, now we get to Clint Capella, who I love. Similar issue, but not as bad. Clint Capella is able to cover more ground defensively. Uh, He's more agile um, and he's not switching to one, but he can step out uh, guard on the perimeter a little bit against like a typical power forward. You know, it's not outside the realm of possibility and offensively he does what Gobert does just as well. Uh, set screens, catch lobs, uh, uh, play the offensive glass. And he has a little bit more offensive polish than Gobert. I mean, that's not saying much, but certainly he has more of like a post game than Gobert does. Um, and it'll be cheaper. Uh, Capella doesn't scream championship player to me, but Gobert screams not championship player to me, and Capella doesn't have that going for him. I think Quinn Snyder 
Okay, back up. So we've had two seasons of regression since that conference championship run. If if we were hiring Quinn Snyder as like a uh, consistent playoff team and we're looking for him to make the next push, I don't think he has the resume to say like, yes, this is the guy to carry us across the finish line. But from where we are now, absent the Rudy Gobert problem, I'm eager to see what he can do. Because it was never Donovan Mitchell's problem. And Donovan Mitchell, especially in Utah, that's an offensive weapon. We have that in Trey Young. So I'm I'm eager to see what Quinn Snyder does with that. Agreed. The Hawks also aren't necessarily tied to Clint Capella long term. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if this is his last year with the Hawks. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the Kongwu. If they re-sign him and get rid of Capella, because Capella is eating up a decent amount of cap space as well right now. Um, and they're going to need to sign DeJounte Murray to an extension too. So I'm curious to see what that ends up looking like. I think it's kind of hard because on one hand, I don't really know if Trey is ever, like you were talking about, you know, a, a championship level player. Is Trey a championship level player? That's a tough question to answer. Um, I hope that Quinn Steiner will be able to come in and make some adjustments. Um, Really, I think it's tough for Trey because part of it is his uh, desire or lack thereof. And part of it is just naturally his size limits him to what he can do defensively. So if we can fix the desire part and also like, where is Trey? Like, how is Trey not um, doing better off the ball? Like, I know we were talking about that at the beginning of the season. I don't know. Maybe Trey was just like, he was not clicking with Nate McMillan. and he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Maybe Quinn Snyder will be able to have a different approach and different effect on him. And maybe Trey will be able to play a little bit more like that and use the gravity like Steph does, obviously to a lesser degree, uh, like the, the Trey would be doing this, but maybe the Hawks can utilize that and get some more open looks and some more spacing to where it's Trey doesn't have to expend all that energy on offense. And he can come back and he can fight over screens um, and make the right plays on defense and everything. So I just think a fresh start was needed in terms of who was available. Quinn Snyder was definitely the top option. And it does encourage me that he, he found the Hawks enticing enough to want to stop his like year off and come in and see what he can do. Cause he obviously believes enough in the core of the team and probably had enough ideas on things that he wanted to change or improve or tweak that he thinks that, he could make a difference this season. Cause I, my understanding is from the whole thing, and obviously I'm just reading what's been reported and everything, but reading between the lines, I think the Hawks could have easily just gone the rest of the year without hiring a, f- a full-time head coach, an ex head coach, and just gone with an interim tag. Um, 
on Joe Prunty, which would have been fine, and then done a, a thorough search in the offseason for the next guy. But the fact that they got Snyder in and he's coming in right now, that does provide some optimism for me that maybe he sees something and an opportunity to fix things before it's too late and get us into the playoffs and see what can happen. And there's certainly something to be said from the Hawks side about like going and getting your guy, you know, like, oh, we could ride out Joe Pronte and shout out to him for the job he did, you know, for those two games, <laughs> you know, the two and O record undefeated. My man. Uh, but you know, we wait and maybe we decide like, oh, is it Quinn Snyder? You know, Quinn Snyder was going to be, if he decided to come back in the off, like this summer and interview, he was going to be a hot commodity for other teams. Do we give him the chance to like interview elsewhere? No, we like just, no, we want Snyder. We're pulling him right away. And like you said, it is encouraging that he sees that optimism as well, or he has that sense of optimism as well. Um, there is still work to be done right away this season. Um, I want to see what happens with Snyder plus free agency plus the draft and see what we're looking like to start next season. But but we will see. But for now, I think we're pretty excited about the new hire. Welcome, Coach Snyder. Best of luck to you. Please deliver us a championship. For sure. And we will see you in person. And just to... I mean, actually, when this goes live today, hey, we're going to the Hawks game versus the Trailblazers. So speaking of the Trailblazers, you know, uh, Damian Lillard is about to be referenced, as is another player that we've already mentioned today on today's hot seat. And that's Jason Tatum. And then Evan Turner. If you haven't seen this uh, Twitter exchange yet. Uh, Dave, why don't you tell them about the hot seat for this week? For sure. So I'm sure you probably already saw this. Damian Lillard dropped 71. I mean, it was against the Rockets, but still, it was an unbelievable performance. If you haven't already, or even if you have, just go and watch all of his buckets from that game again. Some of it was just absolutely ludicrous, the shots that he was pulling, like fair play. I just love watching that guy play. Um, So... While Damian Lillard, or after Damian Lillard, put up this amazing, you know, career-best performance, Evan Turner decides to tweet, which, where even is Evan Turner at this point? Like, I don't even know why he, he felt the need to comment on this, but he did. He says, I hoop like Dame for real. So that's kind of enough to be on the hot seat, just that. Evan Turner, you've never hooped like that one day in your life, my guy. Like, come on now. But it gets even better. So Jason Tatum, who is low-key becoming one of the more savage slash funny follows on Twitter, at least NBA Twitter, he <laughs> responds and he says, I act like Denzel for real. AKA I like me to Denzel to acting is like you to Damian Lillard to playing basketball. Like, bro, get out of here. I just like Jason Tatum's sense of humor. Cause he's like, he doesn't take himself too seriously in certain situations, which I respect, but like 
props it's, it's also just so random like jason tatum commenting on this <laughs> tweet from evan turner it's like out of anyone who i was ex- who i would expect i would expect like kd to say something like that not jason tatum but like maybe this just means like tatum is ready to take that next step and be be one of the guys in the league that he can just start throwing shade like this on NBA veterans or, you know, guys who have retired. I mean, power to him because we need, that's the kind of player we need in the NBA. Someone that's just going to get on and roast people on Twitter. Um, it, it takes me back to uh, when Devin Booker dropped 70 on the Celtics and still lost. And, uh, oh, do you remember who it was that was like, it was one of the Celtics that had commented on Devin Booker's Instagram post and was like, I've never seen a group like so happy about a loss or whatever. I mean, I don't, but if I had to guess, it was, pr- it was probably Marcus Smart. Like, let's be honest. That's, that's the kind of guy who would say something like that. Probably, but I remember the uh, response to it being Devin Booker saying, you can't guard me, <laughs> which was really savage. But, oh man, uh, yeah, NBA needs some Twitter savagery from time to time. And and so shout out, even though it's the hot seat, shout out to Jason Tatum for giving us this hilarious, sarcastic quip. Now, speaking of shout-outs, shout-out in advance to Dave's fun fact of the episode. (laughs) Quick transition, but a transition nonetheless. Dave, what do you have for us this episode? Well, first of all, you're going to get a bonus fun fact, because I just did a little research. In his career, Devin Booker has averaged 27.5 points, 5 rebounds, and and 4.5 assists versus Marcus Smart in 12 games. So he has kind of dominated him. If, indeed, Marcus Smart was the guy who was making the comment about him. Regardless, you get a bonus fun fact for this episode. But the actual fun fact, all I'm going to say is I'm here to make a splash. And I'm going to talk about the shape of raindrops. Now, if you've if you were in elementary school all the way to now, a lot of people would say that raindrops take the shape of a tear, right? Like pointy at the top, and then it kind of um, balloons out at the bottom. However, that is not the actual shape of a raindrop. It's actually shaped very similarly to a hamburger bun. It's just the fact that the raindrop is falling from the atmosphere at such a speed that makes it end up shaped looking like the the teardrop when it's falling down because of gravity, basically, and the speed that it's moving. But actually, all raindrops, just like if they weren't falling, if they were just chilling, would all be shaped like a bunch of little hamburger buns. So there's my fun fact of the episode. Huh. Yeah, I mean, definitely haven't thought about that, but yeah, like, I do have a... So it's not raining cats and dogs. It's raining It's raining burgers. It's not hot dogs, it's hamburgers. Yeah. Sounds like a 
What was that move? Cloudy with a chance of meatballs or whatever. Right. What a stupid thing. <laughs> but apparently, food-based rain, you know, there's something to it. Maybe we need to bring, like, after the fun fact, you just say some controversial opinion. Or not even, I mean, I don't, to be fair, I don't know if saying Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs <laughs> is a terrible movie. Is that controversial? Hot take. I hate this movie. <laughs> uh, For no reason. <laughs> actually, yeah, that's the best part. You know, like, you know, where I transition into the fun fact. There's no transition whatsoever from fun fact to whatever my controversial statement is. You're just like, yeah, so anyway, uh, raindrops are shaped like hamburger buns. And I'm like, KD is not a top 25 player. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the episode this week. Subscribe, rate us five stars. Moving on. I mean, I feel like we just kind of closed out the show, did we not? Okay, everyone, subscribe. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. Uh, wherever you're listening to us, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, give us that five star rating. We appreciate it. Episode fifty is on the horizon, two weeks away, and that is a multiple of five, which means top five. But we're done with the top five at each position, NBA history, miniseries thing. So it'll be a new, like different top five, which it's, it's been a while since we've done. For sure. I'm excited to get back into some of the more like variety of top fives that we can do. So definitely looking forward to that. And also, if you're listening to this on Friday, the day it comes out, just send some good vibes into the universe for the Hawks to win the game and play extremely well and for there to be no drama and no traffic. Uh, And that's all I request from you, our faithful listeners. But I think that'll about wrap us up for this episode. As always, thanks for listening. As always, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast.